Good morning. What a wonderful way to celebrate and worship Christ as we sing the praises of the one who deserves all the praise. Amen. Will you turn your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 5? 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. Verse 6 through 14 is our passage today. We will be closing up 1 Peter and then next week starting in 2 Peter as we continue to understand this call to stand firm. So let me read this passage with us as we close out this wonderful book of challenge, encouragement, and of grace. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen? Through Sylvanius, a faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly in order to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends your greetings, as does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we hear these words of both a conclusion of, of closing, but Lord, true and inspired, this challenging call to us, Lord, we expect to hear from you in our individual life today. That something we know needs to change because we've heard your word and read your word. That, Lord, you would, through the Spirit, direct us in truth and by the Spirit change our lives. And God, we pray for the word to be powerful this morning, even to change a life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. According to the website and the organization Open Door, which watches church persecution or Christian persecution, uh, their yearly watch list comes, came out in January of this year, and it, it covers the, kind of the year, year and a half before. It is, according to this, 245 million Christians in over 60 countries around the world face some sort of restriction, discrimination, or outright persecution for their trusting in Christ as Savior. The statistics, which have even changed in the last five years, where it used to be one in ten Christians around the world, now one in nine Christians of the 2.2 billion Christians in the world are now facing severe persecution. The top ten countries that, that persecute actively Christians in their borders are in order. North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Eritrea, Sudan... Yemen, Iran, and now India. 
Persecutions range from murder, rape, torture, to repressive laws, discrimination, and social exclusion. We know that our brothers and sisters are being persecuted severely throughout the world. And when Peter wrote these words to, to the church, the Christians were not experiencing the same persecution that we see in some of our countries today and, and of worldwide. They mostly were facing not universal state-sponsored systematic persecution, though in a few years they would be. Though these Christians were facing mostly social outcasts, discriminatory behavior, simply because they were Christian. They were suffering like many Christians in, in the Western culture and in America are facing, mostly discrimination, social outcasts, social media backlash, and others. The suffering we are likely to face today that what other Christians now are far worse, but whatever we are on the spectrum of persecution, Peter's letter encourages us to no matter what that is, to stay faithful and hopeful in whatever we are facing. The message of this passage is that you, by the grace of God, are secure as a believer to stand firm in your faith no matter what persecution, suffering, or problems come your way. Maybe I'd ask this question today. Are you experiencing being ostracized maybe in your family? We see that more and more often today that Christians in our large group settings may be thinking going to Thanksgiving holidays at the end of November that our Christian belief might be a minority in the house maybe you're experiencing that ostrac uh, being ostracized at school or in your workplace well, I want you to hear this encouragement that Peter has for you and had for the first century church, that you are secure in God and you can stand firm in your belief and your faith and your practice and your hope in Christ. There are four reasons I believe that Peter lays out for us here in this text. Number one, you are secure because God cares for you. You are secure because God cares for you. Listen to these, these both challenging but also encouraging words that Peter says in verse 6 to 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. First, the challenge Humble yourselves. Put yourself under the mighty hand of God. This is an active trusting of putting your life under the sovereign care and work of God. It is humbling yourself to say, I am going to trust God in my life that even when he directs my life towards suffering, I will trust in him. 
This is a humbling that implies a decision to be faithful even when we know humiliation is a result. Now, when I was playing football a long, longer time ago now than I remember, that uh, I had a coach that would send me out. Uh, I was a freshman, and he put me out against the juniors and seniors on the practice team. And I remember he said, you need to make this play. You need to do this on this play. And I remember I did it with all my energy and all my power, but I was a freshman and a senior against juniors and seniors, and I got cream. I remember my head rang for, this was before all the protections they have now, but the, my head rang for a good 15 minutes. And I, I just knew, felt defeated. I came off the field. I was discouraged because I didn't make the play. I didn't do what I felt like I was capable of doing. But the coach pulled me aside and said, look, Sean, I put you in this position that is hard because if you don't do what is hard now, you'll never learn how to do it right. And I know what's important, and I'll care for you. I want you to be the best you can be. I remember the next day him putting me in the same situation, but I remember being encouraged by this, that he wanted me to learn. And so I did the same play and actually made the play. But it made the difference. I didn't stop or throw in the towel or get discouraged or not show up to practice because I had failed, but I knew that a coach who cared for me wanted me to put me in a situation that was hard, but that I would learn. Brothers and sisters, God cares for us in this way. And no matter what suffering and trial and persecution that you might be under, you are saying, as we as believers are saying, I am putting myself under the mighty hand of God because who else can I depend on? Who else should I put my faith and trust in? Who else is going to protect me and guide me and love me like the mighty hand of God? God cares for for you. God is neither unaware or unconcerned about what his people are going through in order to remain faithful to Christ. Therefore, we as Christians rely on what we know. That no matter what persecution, suffering, or trial, we know that we can trust and rely on God and not worry when we face difficulty. I mean, isn't that also the application of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. So don't worry about saying what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear for the Gentiles eagerly seek these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Our persecution, our suffering, our trials may result in feeling anxiety, worry that we don't have what we think we might need to have. Well, what does Jesus say? Pagans are worried about this. You're not, because you're under the mighty hand of God who cares for you. So college student, you may be facing a lot of pushback right now from a professor who's trying to deconstruct your faith or, or students that you feel like that you're in a minority. Stand firm because God cares for you. Maybe mother to little ones, maybe you're struggling today not that you're under persecution, but you're under hard times. It is difficult parenting in, the, in a COVID now world, in a secular world, and it can be overwhelming. Sister, listen. God cares 
for you. Stand firm. And may we all stand firm knowing that God cares for us. We are secure. Secondly, you are secure that in your faith, so, excuse me, let me say, read that differently. You are secure in your faith so that you can resist the devil. You are secure in your faith so that you can resist the devil. If you are trusting in under the mighty hand of God, then you are trusting knowing that you won't be defeated by devil and his schemes, but you will be victorious against Satan. However, listen to these warnings that Peter gives. Be sober-minded. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him. Firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Now, Peter, over in chapter 4, had already warned us to be sober-minded. And what we've said before, uh, yes, it is, it, we, we take it as uh, you know, alcohol to be sober so that our minds are clear. But what Peter is saying is that our minds should be clear and aware, knowing because why we've put our faith in the right place. But he also added, be alert, be watchful. Sobriety and alertness are required because why? Your adversary is prowling around, looking to devour you. Now, this term, adversary, is really, really best translated or known as accuser. You see, Satan walks around trying to accuse us to bring our sins against us, to, to accuse us or to trip us into sin, to, to tempt us to sin, to, to, to bring a false witness against us that we ourselves would believe it that we would believe that God is not there. So when we're in persecution, as Peter's saying, if we're under persecution or trial or suffering, what's the first thing that we think? Well, God doesn't care about me. Or God's not there. Or there's something wrong with me. Or I'm the only one who's suffering this way. Well, Satan wants you to believe that. Satan wants you to think that way. But Peter had said, wait a second, resist Satan. Why? Because I just told you. God is caring for you. God loves you. And ever since the Garden of Eden, Satan has been seeking to devour God's, God's people in order to devour and consume your faith. But, but Peter's saying, look, I've already told you, reminded you, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trial, in the midst of persecution, be reminded that God cares about you. He's not absent. He does love you. Yes, you may have, have made mistakes. You may have done wrong things. But listen, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God who has given his son for you. Later on, he says, and be being experienced, that these kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Look, there's nothing wrong with you that's not any different from all over the world. You're suffering just like others. You're struggling just like others. Sin and, and, and persecution and problems are happening to every believer. Maybe not exactly entailed to the way you are, but they're suffering the same way. And what is the message? 
trust and put yourself under the mighty hand of God because he cares for you. So you resist those siren calls of Satan or those growling lies of Satan when he speaks into your life and wants you to to deny your faith or to lessen your faith in God. Sadly, when it comes to the devil, Christians have either been obsessive or dismissive. C.S. Lewis put it brilliantly in his preface to the Screwtape Letters, which I encourage you to read. It is a, a, a fictional uh, way of an older demon speaking to a younger demon of the ways in which uh, Satan tricks Christians or tricks the world to believe what God has said. And he, he observed this. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence and the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialistic or magician with the same delight. So how do we balance? Well, we know that the devil is real. Peter said, We've seen the attacks that he put on our Lord. We see the, the attacks that he put on the disciples. We, see, we know the attacks that happens on us. He is real. But our Lord has confronted him and defeated him once and for all. Notice that he prowls around. Uh, that he is, he is constrained. That the devil is a foe, but he is a defeated foe. He is a threat but he is a limited threat. Everything is under the mighty hand of God. And God has granted us the grace to resist him. And we must resist him. Look, there's temptation everywhere. But God has given us grace to resist. When you start to speak and you realize you're starting to share something that someone has shared to you in confidence and your friend says, you stop yourself. It's all, I'm sorry, I can't share that. And your friend says, oh, that's okay. I, it won't go anywhere from here. Go ahead and tell me. Well, I'm not saying your friend's the devil. But I don't know your friend. Maybe No, I'm just kidding. They're not. But when that temptation comes, what do you do? You resist and say, well, I know what's right. I, I know that I'm not supposed to do this. I can resist because I have the Holy Spirit within me that Christ has crushed devil and his schemes that I know that I'm empowered to resist. And maybe we know that we need to resist the ideas of this Western culture. We know that the ethics of this world has turned upside down, that we have fallen truly, as we've read in Romans, the Romans 1, that not only are, are the, the evil and, and unethical things that are, are pronounced or, or true in this world, but now, even worse, as Romans reminds us, it has gotten to the point that they are celebrated. Just this week, people who are celebrating the gender fluidity of children is despicable. People who celebrate and, and, and praise the killing of infants in the womb is disgusting. Those are schemes of the devil to reject the truth of God and the word. And we must be alert and sober-minded so that when de the devil and culture are speaking false truths into our minds, that we resist those with the truth of his word. We are constantly, should be on the lookout 
so that we can resist him time and time again. We must be steadfast because as we trust God, we are able to resist him. Third, you are secure because though suffering, you will be exalted. So we know suffering and trials and tribulations and persecution will come, but because you are secure in God, you will be exalted. Verse 10 and 11, the God of all grace who has called you to the eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen. Peter closes his epistle with this assurance that the outcome of our life rests more on God's grace than on us. And this is good news. Notice the work there. The God of all grace, who has called you to eternal glory, will, uh, by your works, establish you. Uh, by your intellect, will establish you. Uh, by your by your good works, by your, your personality, by the way that you handle persecution, by the way that you stand firm. Anybody's translation say that? Just making sure. Because what does it say? That he himself will restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you've suffered for a little while. This is good news. Because the good news is, is that yes, though there will be times of suffering, though there will be times in which you will go through trials, that even after a little while, what is the result? That God will raise you up to his eternal glory. And like a fireworks display leading up to a finale, listen to these good words. God himself will restore you. He will establish you. He will strengthen you. And he will support you or put you on a foundation. All this happens because you are in Christ. And because of your union in him, there is an eternal power given to you. So though you might be facing some sort of persecution or trial or suffering, what is it that we first want to do? We want to do something. We want to strike back. We want to, we want to act out. We want to do something. But what did we say? We say, stand firm under the mighty hand of God. Be faithful. Let God do the work, and he will establish you. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not give up, even though our outer person is being destroyed. Our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I mean, look, look, we, look, we know I am so tired. I'm, you know, now that politics are in the digital world and I can't even watch a, a goofy cat video on YouTube without getting a political ad. I can't watch anything anywhere on any device without someone telling me who I should vote for, what I should vote for, what I should be worried about, and then the deep voice. This person, you know, 
hates cats and, you know, all, all these different reasons you shouldn't vote for them and they scare you to death. I don't like cats either. That's probably a good platform to run up for me. But we get worried and discouraged in our day and we think of all the persecution and hate and vile and vitriol that happens to Christians today. And we sometimes believe as Christians that if we just vote the right person in, all of it's going to go away. Well, brother and sister, it's not going to go away. And, it, and that's not where our hope is. Our hope is not in a political party or a political person or a political way. Our hope is in the only one who can restore, establish, and strengthen and support you. And let's, let me be clear that no matter who wins on November 4th, when we vote on, is that right? November 4th, when we vote on November 3rd, it doesn't matter. Jesus is on the throne today. He's going to be on the throne November 4th as well. And we can trust in him. And the reminder for us is that we can't take all of this and try to work it out. We need to understand that for a little while there will be suffering. But if we are faithful, what will happen? We will be restored, established, and strengthened in support. And this is not just to happen in political realm. We, this happens in our families, in our homes. Uh, Scotty Smith, a, a pastor, th calls this kind of idea of messianic parenting. We think that if everything we do is perfect, we will produce little Christians someday. So we do the right music, the right way, the right Bible stories, live well, uh, stay cool with our teens, and all in the end, they're all going to be Christian missionaries and pastors. But I can tell testimonies in this room of all of the people that we know. We have struggling, wayward children. And we've done everything right. We've taken them to church. We've prayed for them. We've done everything we could do. Who is the one can save? Only God can. And yet we all, we try to bring, we try to work it all out ourselves. But instead, what does Peter say? That we trust in him who is doing all these things. So we can be secure even in our suffering, because we know that in the end we will be exalted and whatever God does, it is God who is doing it. So as you suffer through this difficult day, secure in your faith in Christ, no matter what you suffer, you suffer, you will be raised with him. Which brings the question, have you trusted in the saving work of Christ? You know, we talk about and worry about persecution and struggle and suffering, but it comes to this point. I know suffering is coming, but who holds me in his hand? Have I trusted Christ as Savior? Have I understood that my sins have been paid for at the cross, not by myself, but by the work of Jesus Christ? Have I trusted in him for hope and security and have I trusted him with my life? If we have, we know that no matter what happens, we will be exalted. And fourth and finally, you are secure because you do not have to stand firm alone. I'm not going to read all this, but verse 12, Peter talks about Silvanus, which some believe is also Silas, 
Some have written to you briefly so that by the grace of God you will stand firm in it. He, she who is in Babylon, well, the word Babylon usually means Rome. And so the, the, the church at Rome, chosen together, sends you greetings along with Mark. We know John Mark in the Bible. This is his son in the faith. This reminds us how important Christian community is. We need each other. We can stand firm because we're not called to live life by ourselves. Even the great apostles, Peter and Paul, you read their letters. And many times, what is their, I desire to be with you. I have this person with me. I'm being encouraged by this person. Now I'm sending this person to you so that they can be an encouragement to you. You be an encouragement to one another that we know that we need loving relationships. Peter says here, greet one another with a kiss of love, meaning that we would understand the same familial love that we have together. That we experience it richly and deeply, knowing that in Christ we have others that help us. Pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, I would, have been a dead, I would have been dead long ago if I had not depended on men for encouragement. Maybe you're facing struggle or trials. Have you reached out to another believer? Have you asked for someone for help or prayer? What is your commitment to fellow believers yourself? Are you praying fervently for them? Are you meeting within a group where you're sharing your struggles. Yes, it's important to hear the Bible taught, but it's just as important for you to share with some other believers, hey, I know the lion is prowling around me right now and I need your encouragement and help. Where are you going to ask about the important issues of the day? Are you edifying other people? Are you allowing others to build you up. How are you standing firm? Well, the good news is we can be secure because God has not made Christianity a solo event because God has given us others to come alongside of us. We know we can stand secure. We know we can stand secure against all things, persecution and trial. And now that we come to the end of 1 Peter, we can celebrate this and know this. That I encourage you, church, Christians, watching at home, downstairs, here in this room, understand that you are called to stand firm. Stand firm in the word. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm because of the grace of God which you have come. And let me just remind you just a quick, brief summary of 1 Peter, why we should stand firm. We can stand firm in the true grace of God as we suffer simply because we are Christians. Chapter 1, verse 1 through 2 reminds us that we stand firm knowing that while the world may take everything away from us, it cannot take our glorious identity, our imperishable future, because we are elect exiles set apart by the Holy Spirit for the salvation accomplished by Christ and now on our way home. Verse 3 through 5 reminds us of chapter 1, that we can stand firm knowing that even though the world may kill us, we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to an imperishable inheritance. 
Verse 6 through 9 of chapter 1 says, We stand firm, knowing that God does not waste our suffering. He intends it to purify our faith in order that we may obtain our future salvation when Christ is revealed. In chapter 2, 21 through 25 says, We stand firm, knowing that our Lord Jesus Christ traveled the road marked with righteous suffering and blazed a path for us to follow. In chapter 3, 18 through 22, we are reminded that we stand firm knowing that if we suffer for doing good, we will be blessed and will be exalted to glory as Christ. In chapter 4, 12 through 19, we remember that we stand firm knowing that as we share in Christ's sufferings, we are proven to be Christians. In chapter 5, what we just read, we stand firm by humbling ourselves under God's mighty hand, knowing that he will exalt us. Isn't that good? That no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way, we will be exalted. The great Susanna Wesley, mother of Charles and John, and mother of 17 others, knew a little bit about persecution. Her father was a pastor, and during the act of uniformity in the church of England, there were many pastors who were rejected or ejected from the church because they failed to be legislated uh, under law to, to follow a prescribed way of worship. And this affected many people. You might have heard of Richard Baxter, Thomas Watson, Thomas Manton, and others. But Susanna Wesley grew up and, and poured her heart and trust in Christ into her two sons, praying fervently for them. And on her tombstone is written this, Ensure certain hope to rise and claim her mansion in the skies. A Christian here flesh laid down, the cross exchanging for a crown. May we stand firm through trials and persecution that we will experience now in the flesh. But brothers and sisters, remember, one day we will get our crown. I'll be standing at the Next Steps desk. If anyone here, downstairs or upstairs, would like to know more about trusting in Christ or baptism or church membership, but let us be reminded of this trusting in Christ and the eternal glory that awaits us even when we face suffering today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today and thank you for this wonderful reminder as we will face certain persecution and trials. And God, I pray that as we experience the temptations of our flesh, the persecution of our beliefs, the pushback and, and loneliness of being a believer at times, let us be encouraged through your word today. That God, you have given us others, but most importantly, you have given yourself. And that no matter what happens here, we will be raised with you. May this encourage us and may it call in faith others to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.